Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In On Duties, Book 1, Cicero has Torquatus, the representative of the Epicurean position in philosophy, argue that we don't value or we shouldn't value the virtues for their own sake, but because they are means to our own happiness, which consists largely in pleasure and the absence of pain. So he says that justice basically we should get the same treatment as all the other virtues, wisdom, temperance, and courage. I have shown to be so closely linked with pleasure that they cannot possibly be severed or sundered from it. The same must be deemed to be the case with justice. So the argument here is that justice is not something that's valuable for its own sake, but precisely because it leads us to a life in which we get to enjoy the greatest amount of pleasures and we don't have to suffer as many pains. So it's part of a well-regulated life. And there's a couple different considerations that are being given here. One is, as he says, justice does not cause any harm to a person, but adds a benefit instead. And we could understand this in terms of justice not harming other people. If I'm a just person, I'm not going to take more than my fair share. If I make a contract with you, I will follow through on the contract. Even if I have the opportunity to screw you over, I won't do so, and so on. But it can also be understood as applying to ourselves. Justice is not going to harm us. And you might say, well, what if by being just, I get myself in trouble? Or what if by being just, I put myself at a disadvantage? And Torquatus doesn't really consider those sorts of issues. In part, I think, because the the way the argument is going is that it's going to help us by doing something for us. It's going to do something for our psychological state, not just our external goods. He says that it provides tranquility to the mind. He uses the verb, you know, tranquilat, actually. It, it makes us tranquil. And how does it do so? Well, partly by bringing a kind of order and harmony into the person, him or herself, but also by not leading us into desiring all sorts of things that really are not, from an Epicurean perspective, good for us, in part because they lead to other problems later on. Most of the things that people would get into conflicts about turn out to be within the realm of what the Epicureans call neither natural nor necessary desires or empty desires or vain desires. And he talks about that a little bit later. So by pruning those away, it provides tranquility to the mind. It also does so in another way. If we don't commit injustice, we're not going to have a bad conscience. We're not going to suffer certain fears. And we're going to talk about that when we get to injustice. Interestingly, he also has this passage where he talks about hope, space, hope that nothing will be lacking that an uncorrupted nature desires. Now, the translation here has an uncorrupted nature needs, but the word is actually desiderat, you know, so what it would, in fact, desire, that we can be confident that if we are just, 
we're not going to be deprived, or we can hope that we're not going to be deprived of the basic things that we want. Now, that doesn't mean that we're gonna get everything. If I want to have a million dollars in my bank account, which is not really a need, but rather a want, that is probably not going to be produced by being just. It'll be produced in other ways if it ever does happen. Hasn't happened yet, by the way. I expect it probably won't, unless we have massive inflation and you know, a million dollars is the equivalent of a thousand dollars. So those are some arguments in favor of justice. Another way to look at it is, well, what happens if we're unjust? And here the Epicureans from the beginning on with Epicurus himself placed a lot of stress on what the effects, the psychological effects of committing injustice are. So I'm gonna jump very quickly to these bad forms of affectivity. One of the big things that Epicurus said is, if you commit injustice, if you go against the laws of the city or you go against basic rules, whatever it happens to be where you are, you can never be entirely confident that your wrong act will remain undetected. So you always have to have some fear of revelation and thereby punishment or social censure because of that. You can never completely get away from that. And then interestingly, Torquatus adds in there that this is a little bit paradoxical from an Epicurean perspective. Even if you think that you got away from human beings, well, you still got to worry about the gods or providence taking some sort of vengeance upon you. Now, why do I say that's a little bit strange from an Epicurean perspective? The Epicureans did believe there were gods, and they thought that the gods do not care at all about human beings. That's why the gods are blessed. That's why the gods enjoy their time, because they don't worry about us and our stupid conflicts and foibles and injustices, and they don't engage in any sort of providential punishing. But... Epicureans do recognize that people who aren't Epicureans don't believe that about the gods or about karma or about fate or about whatever it happens to be. And they may in fact think that the universe is out to get them in some way. Another thing that he talks about a little bit earlier are restless desires. When you're an unjust person, doesn't mean committing acts of injustice alone. It means that that's a disposition within you. So let's take one particular form of that, being greedy. A greedy person is not just a person who takes more than their fair share or who takes things that don't belong to them and belong to somebody else or does other acts like that. That is part of what makes them greedy, but what makes them greedy is that that's part of who they are. It becomes part of their character. Now, why does a greedy person act greedily? because they have these desires for what is more than their fair share. They have desires for other people's things. And they're posed with a kind of action and an effective dilemma a lot of the time. They know what they're doing on some level is wrong, and yet they want to do it. And so they can be quite conflicted about this. Think about people who engage in petty theft, for example. They may be quite bothered by it, and it can also be a sign, a manifestation of some other conflict within them that they're trying to work out, say, through shoplifting or through you know, stealing uh, random items in a locker room or something along those lines, right? But those restless desires, those make us unhappy. Those fall into the classification of what Epicureans would call pain or trouble. So to be free of that, to be just, would mean not to have to deal with all of that stuff. Another thing that he talks about that I think is quite interesting, hatred of one's own fellow citizens. 
If you're unjust, sooner or later, you're going to have odium of your fellow citizens within yourself. You're going to dislike people that you don't have to dislike. And that's that's painful. They're also going to dislike you. And, you know, interestingly, the way this is, is constructed, it could be hatred that you feel directed towards them, or it could be hatred that they feel directed towards you because they find out that you're a greedy, selfish bastard, right? Or whatever other form of injustice that we're talking about as well. So if we don't want to incur those things, then we want to be just. He also talks about rational, sane. He uses the word sanam there. Healthy people value justice. They value equity, equitas, and they value fidelity, fides, which can also be translated as a kind of honesty, keeping commitments that are made. And here's an interesting argument that he provides, that you can break down the world into those who have and those who don't really have or don't have much. And the have-nots, the non-rich, non-talented people, well, it's stupid for them to be unjust because they're going to get caught and punished and they're probably not going to be able to pull it off very well. So it's not very smart for them to be unjust. Some of them are, but that's because they're, they're not thinking things through. For the rich or the talented, he uses the example of people who can speak quite well, right? They also need to be just. Why do they need to be just? He says, the rich and clever, generous conduct seems more in keeping and liberality wins them affection and goodwill. The surest means to a life of peace. You want other people to like you, to think well of you so that they'll leave you alone so that they will help you out when you need help because your your house fell down or something like that or your you know the economy crashed and you lost all that money that you had you want the goodwill of others so that you can flourish in your own way and so what you do if if you do have resources is you provide to other people this is where justice becomes something like beneficence so that when you need them to help you they'll be there he also goes on and he says there really is no motive for transgressing. The desires that spring from nature are easily gratified without doing any man wrong. So again, we're talking about rational, sane people who restrict their desires and pleasures to those that are easily satisfied, those that are natural to us. Those that are imaginary ought to be resisted for they set their affections on nothing that is really wanted. And then he says, there's more loss inherent in injustice itself than there is profit in the gain that it brings. So if you are unjust, you're losing something for yourself even if you're getting something. So the rich, the powerful, the smart, the talented, they need to be just just as much as what Cicero probably would call the little people do as well. So again, this is the Epicurean position. This is not, you know, all virtue ethics. And this is actually not Cicero's own point of view. This is that of the character Torquatus who is presenting it. The viewpoint is that justice is something that we ought to have, we ought to cultivate, we ought to view as a virtue, not because it's good in itself, but because in the way that it works, when we break it down, it leads to a better life for the person who is just. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.